Hello and welcome to today's podcast. It's our great pleasure to welcome Carl Ludwig, the CEO and founder of Fibre for Good. Fibre for Good are based in Australia and supply organic, environmentally friendly clothing for the children's wear marketplace. With a long history in retail supply, Carl and his team recognise the growing need for sustainable, sourced, skin-friendly garments. As defined by their company's slogan, Skin to Seed. Carl, welcome to today's podcast. Oh, thanks, Debbie. Um, I'm really privileged to be able to be with you this morning or this evening in Australia. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Our industry needs a voice. Um, Carl, tell us, how did you begin your career? Um, well, as you know, I, I think if I can go back a little way, um, I'm a chip off the old block. My father was always in the in the industry. Um, he he was a bit of um, he was a salesman or an agent and represented a lot of um, companies in South Africa at the time. Um, and I knew then, you know, I, I I really enjoyed what he did. I loved the fashion. I loved the vibrant energy, the colours. Um, South Africa is very, very big in, in, in fashion. Um, because of the poverty, the people show their, their status by the way they dress. Uh -huh. um, so they will spend a lot of money um, on product to make them to show their status and, and, you know, that they're somebody and they get recognized. So, and, uh, and that, that really resonated with me um, at a very young age. Um, I've worked in fashion stores all over the country. Um, you know, even it's from school, being in, in a boarding school situation, I needed some pocket money, so I would work uh, for various uh, retailers. Um, I, I was even a security guard at, uh, okay. at one retail stage, and I think I sold more product than I did um, stopping any shoplifting. So. <laughs> so that's quite, um, that's you know, and then what happened from there was, um, uh, again, through my father, um, um, the director of um, a big, big um, uh, manufacturing in Cape Town that was um, doing men's suitings actually asked me to join them as his assistant. Um, and Danny Mayer at the time, I would have thought would have been one of the um, the one of the better or the best um, designer in um, in South Africa in the suiting industry. Perfect. And he brought me in as and he was my mentor. And I think when I look back um, on my journey, and I think if you know, I didn't I didn't have the opportunity to go and have a tertiary education. But he literally took me under his wing and taught me about ends and picks and styling and all that, that type of thing. Yeah, so, um, you know, without his guidance, I wouldn't have had the, the knowledge or had the opportunity to, to have had the exposure I've had, um, you know, to travel to fairs in, in Italy, you know, going to Prato or, or, or Milan or, or Premivision. Uh -huh. All those types of things were just amazing, and so um, the yeah, and that's how the journey started. And he, you know, we were literally getting involved with some of the the the, the mills in South Africa. We only had possibly four or five. I don't think there's any more uh, these days. But we would every season have to sit with the um, the textile designers and talk about picks and ends and warps and wefts and changing this color to get to try and engineer. Um, some of the the fabrics into price, 
Uh-huh. Um, so that was a massive learning for me, and I think that's where I understood, you know, ends and picks and constructions. Yeah. Essential, and though, isn't it? Yeah, it's the bedrock. It's essential it's, learning. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the way that I've seen, um, you know, just as my journey's continued and when I've tried and I've been in positions where I'm either a buyer or I'm wholesaling or I'm dealing with um, various uh, suppliers, um, I find there's a massive lack of that understanding um, uh-huh. because, you know, you can just give somebody a garment and say, can you produce this for me? But you're actually not telling him what you want. Yes. Um, because we generally traveling into the northern hemisphere and spending you know 70 pounds on a on a t-shirt um, but we we, we want to sell it for 10 so it's how do you get it to that price is the yeah. is the trick and yeah. if you don't know your ends and you, you know understanding weaving and knitting and how it all works it's very difficult without that formative learning which Danny gave me um, uh, all those years ago oh it's a great story we all need mentors. Yeah. Look, yeah. If I look so, back, yeah, I could probably mention the three or four that really change the direction of your entire career. Very, very important yeah. for for everybody. So, tell us, tell us how fiber, how tell us about fiber for good and why you founded the company. Well, yeah. So obviously, being in this journey for a long time, um, you know, whether I was a buyer for some of the big chains in South Africa, here in Australia. I also opened up a wholesale business, um, got back into buying. And uh, what happened was about two years ago while sitting in Bangladesh, um, it, it dawned on me, I was told that one T-shirt um, took about 2,700 liters of water to produce one wow. T-shirt. And I was, I, I just actually couldn't believe that. I was, well, where's all this water going? You know, why so much water? And it really was, it, um, you know, mainly in the in the dyeing process, you know, before the bleaching, then the dyeing, and then the rinsing, etc. And I was getting through twelve thousand t-shirts um, a week, uh, just on a basic table line yeah. of plain tees, um, which then calculated to thirty-two million liters of water. I was actually, or the company was going through per week, wow. and um, I, I just that just shook me. Um, uh, you know, I was just shaken by that, and I just I actually started feeling quite guilty being on the front line and having the buying strength that that I had. And what the one thing was negotiating um, ridiculous cost prices for a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, a dollar seventy-five for a t-shirt and buying eight hundred thousand of those. You know, you feel you've done a great job but you're actually doing more damage than good that's right because you're giving the manufacturer nowhere to go yeah so look at and and so that's what happened so i i was also struggling a little bit with the whole corporate world to be honest um because i'm i wear my heart on my sleeve and um when that was all happening i was really struggling um which was unusual i was getting a little bit down and believe it or not, I've had a partner for, a, you know, just a quiet partner for about, um, I'd say about six years just in business. We used to do these hand crocheted baskets and things. And um, she had just done a trip into China. And, and the other big thing that, 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 that really stands out with the Chinese side is that if they've gone to uni together, they stick together all the way through their working career. It's part of their network. Uh-huh. And part of their uh-huh. culture, 
and they all share ideas and they share connections and they share. And one of the things that my part, my business partner um, was shown is natural color cotton. And um, when I was going through this tough time, um, I popped over to her home and she said, Carl, I haven't shown you the suitcase. And she pulled the suitcase out and started showing me all this product. And I was just, I was just absolutely floored. Number one, I'd never uh, in, in my wildest dreams knew that co- uh, cotton grew in color. Uh-huh. Uh, secondly, the, the fact that it's uh, all the things that, it's, that it stands for is, you know, in terms of um, the story was thousands and thousands of years old because the Aztecs, the, the Chinese, the Egyptians, the Greeks, all of them were, were actually cultivating this crop. Um, it was it was it was then that I, I realized that wow this is something this is a massive opportunity and just something in my gut said you know I'm gonna run with this so yeah that's how fiber that's for good that's actually great. started um, so yeah. can, can you explain the process of the, we're gonna talk we're gonna we're gonna do this in the reverse way we're gonna talk about how your organic products are manufactured and then we'll move on and compare that to conventional production so the, okay. the, the first question here would be can you explain the process of manufacturing an organic cotton product from seed to final production yeah sure um so the beauty about this product is it's actually a, a vertical operation so um what happens is the the relationships that we have start at the new right at the source mm-hmm. So the farmers, the farmers um, basically um, are up in the Gangsu area, which is part of the uh, Hexi corridor, which is right up on the Silk Great Silk Route. Okay. Um, so what happens there is the the it starts with the um, uh, with the heirloom seeds, and um, the, which are seeds that have been around for a number of years, and um, basically what they have to do it takes them three years to get uh, certification on the on the land that they're actually practicing um they're actually practicing regenerative um farming yes in other words they they're retaining the co2 in the soil they're not plowing like um, monoculture where we where we tear the soil apart and allow all the co2 to evaporate into the uh-huh. atmosphere and also what they do is they retain the soil they build up the topsoil by using uh, the available uh, plant life that's around their area. Um, so then basically what happens is in terms of our the way that we work with them, we have to give them a commitment per hectare. So we agree on a, on a price for the season. If they have a poor season, then we have to pay them the difference. Uh-huh. So that's really, um, really important because it empowers, gives the, the farmer some power. Yeah, the stability. Not, yeah. Yep, he's not out there on his own. And um, and then basically what happens then, so it gets sown in the April and it gets picked in the, um, uh, in the October. Um, and then what happens is after the picking, it goes through to the ginning. So that's taking all the, you know, the husks and the, the uh-huh. seeds out um, to clean it all up. And um, the, the big, big thing is that the seeds are then given back to the farmers. This doesn't occur with genetically GMO seeds. 
um, because there's byproducts and also, you know, in terms of the oils, they can get uh, beautiful oils out of the seeds and also they utilize those seeds for the next for the next season. Interesting. So in conventional production, those seeds would be contaminated, but because it's organic production, they're not. Correct. And um, the seeds, the seeds have a heritage and they, they, they've been around a long time. They haven't been tampered with by man. So man tampered with the seeds, um, you know, during the Industrial uh, Revolution. Sure. And pretty much all the, the genetically modified seeds that we know today are sort of handcuffs because you've got to buy the seeds with the chemicals. Whereas, and then um, our farmers don't buy seeds. They own the seeds. Those are the, the nucleus of the farming. So that's really, really important uh, point. It is. It's very uh, circular. It's very good. Very circular, and the other big thing is that the farmers are 13 generation. They've been there for 13 generations. Wow! So these guys, these guys know what they're doing. Um, there has been a, a period where they weren't growing natural color cotton because there wasn't a demand from from the markets. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. Only one percent of the of the of the world's cotton is 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 organic. And that's been decreasing over uh, over the it's it, since 2014. It's actually going downwards, which is a very sad uh, so a thing sad for statistic. all of us. Yeah, yeah. Very sad yeah. stat. Um, so natural color cotton is not even part of that organic figure because it's such a small uh, part of the the cotton. I think a very just an interesting point just around the farm before we move into the ginning, spinning, etc. Is that there's a lady named Sally Fox. Uh -huh. uh, she I've I've only known this through um, the amount of reading that I've done, but I believe that she is the the one the hero of this product. Um, she's definitely the author. She's the authority in this product. Um, she's been. Um, uh, sort of uh, pushing it really hard from about 1986 in the US, uh, in the Napa Valley, I believe. Okay. And she okay. went over to, to, to China to help the guys just set it all up, apparently. And um, I think that's really amazing. And I think what's going to happen with all her hard work over the years, it's actually going to pay dividends because – um, the, the reaction that we're having at the moment is just phenomenal. Well, the most important thing in that story too is retaining the knowledge, isn't it? As you say, you know, 13 generations yeah. is a lot of knowledge. Debbie, I didn't get the opportunity to go up there this year, but my, or last year, the end of last year, to see the, the picking of the cotton, but my partner, Fiona Sue, she, uh -huh. she went up and, um, and she just described this place as she said it was like a holy land. It was wow. just so beautiful and just so fresh. The mountainside, <clears throat> they've got aquifers are so huge um, there. So, you know, the way that they cultivate everything, it's, all, it's been done for thousands of years. I mean, there's a desert across the road and they're, and they're growing this, this, this plant. And the reason why it is uh, the, the, our particular natural color cotton is on a latitude that gets uh, 14 hours sun um, once once the uh, the cotton bowls uh, start budding, uh -huh. and it's through this intense heat that the um, this dry heat that these the cotton gets this beautiful luster, and, um, and that it is, could that be is that then could that be because the sun the sun itself is actually bleaching. The, the, the crop as it grows 
yes possibly but it's yeah. she she just spoke so like she just couldn't even describe she said the smell of the crop is like fresh baked bread was her words it's like something you know we haven't you know because i think we're so used to we've lost residue. yeah we've lost that instinct haven't we yeah, yeah. and so yeah. that was that was r r amazing um and the area is just absolutely stunning she said it's just you know, there are camels on the sand dunes. There's um, there's beautiful rivers. The mountains are immaculate. Um, yeah. So so just to go back. So from the farm, we within the most important part then is the seeds go back to the farmers. Uh -huh. um, and then uh, obviously there's the spinning process. Then we go into the knitting um, um, or the weaving. So and I guess from the any water that's used in cleaning the the, the husks out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, of course, because there's no contaminants in there, it's not it's not adding anything toxic no. into the water system either, is it? Yeah. So basically, to use the term no wet processing, uh -huh. uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So of you, course. So and the beauty about this, because this fibre is just so unique um, and it hasn't been tampered with by man. Um, it's a little bit shorter, so therefore no machinery can cut it. Otherwise, you destroy the fibers. Mm -hmm. So um, every the other thing that Fiona said was there's no, you don't see tractors, you don't see any form of machinery. They've got these old hoes and and um, you know uh, what do you used to cut the grasses those sides. Um, sides. Yeah, yeah, she says they are absolutely stunning with these wooden handles. They sharpen everything by hand. Um, they've got, you know, it's, she said it's just incredible. The sheep are, are or not sheep, it was goats. They've got pigs, they've got chickens. So these, this is that whole thing about the, you know, um, regenerative and having bio, bio um, organisms and things yep. that are working the soil all the time, you know. So just having that natural balance. Yep. So I think, like you said, the water is the obviously the most critical thing. So we don't even go to chemical plants. There's no, you know, obviously there's no dying plants. There's no bleaching. There's no toxins going and polluting that part of the world. Great. Um, because um, it's it's a heritage site. So these these places, because it's part of the great um, ancient Silk Route, which um, obviously they want to preserve. Um, I mean, some of the, the areas of those deserts there, they've actually turned into agriculture, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, it's a very interesting place. And I think, you know, we've always had a view about China that it's cheap and nasty and there's child uh, labor. It's absolutely not. It's, um, they've progressed so quickly over the last 30 years. It's incredible amazing so to recap you the the crop is grown the it's processed spun and woven all in the same area yes so because it's vertical so once once the the um once we get the the actual fibers and they spun or they've knitted we our manufacturing is actually in Tianjin so the, the head office is in Beijing uh -huh. so it's actually traveling a little bit of a distance across the country um, we pretty much at the moment, we should be got approved because they're all architects and all of that. But I think for our markets here in Australia, they would prefer to be GOTS, so Global Organic Textile Standards. Uh -huh. 
which are extremely stringent and they go through every single stage um, from the farming, from a social and ecological, from making sure the kids are, are off to school, they're getting into some really, really um, nitty-gritty stuff. Very strong certification. Yeah, very, very, very strong and extremely expensive. But I think to get the, um, uh, you know, the tick from, uh, you know, if you're working with a country road or somebody that, that's global, you know, in terms of a retail, they need to have that assurity that, um, Definitely. You, know, Definitely. you know, Tesco had this terrible example over Christmas, this young girl opening up a, 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 a Christmas cards. I saw you know, that, yeah, saw it. With the little note inside. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, so we need this, which the Americans are calling this radical transparency. I think this is one of the most critical parts of the whole supply chain. Agreed. Is to become Agreed. more and more transparent because you know and I know um, how uh, dodgy it can be and whether things yeah. are getting subcontracted at this factory or that factory. Mm -hmm. Um, if they get caught out, they lose their license and they won't be able to use the GOT certificate. So it's not worth or in anybody's interest to try and take any shortcuts, um, but rather just be upfront and honest about what we want to do with this product. Like you say, it's kind of going back in time a little bit, isn't it really, with true kind of collaboration, um, good networking collaboration and absolute transparency and trust in your source. Absolutely, Debbie. Yeah, you can only do that through in in you know, this day in, in the you know previous generations that that would be a moral word of mouth code of conduct. In this generation, as you say, that has to be done through legislation and certification. Yep, you know, Debbie, I'm still old school. I'm I still believe in a gentleman's handshake. So but do I. <laughs> fortunately, you know, um, and I, and people always scold me about that, but. Um, I just, I'm just one of those kind of guys. I, I give you my handshake, I give you my word, and I will deliver. And mm -hmm. I think uh, just to go back to this collaboration thing, um, that is really, really critical at this time for all of us that have any interest in part of this, the, the textile family across the globe. Agreed. If um, if we don't uh, drop our guard and start sharing some of the the transparency and how we do things, um, we're not going to fix this problem because – this problem's so bad, yeah. um, you know, it's not going to be money. It's going to be the good old gentleman handshake and saying, mate, you know, uh, let me help you with this because we'll get a, a better outcome or, you know, and, and I cannot believe the amount of help I've had just by being honest with people and saying, you know what, I'm absolutely useless at the social media thing. Um, you know, I, I'm really struggling with uh, building a website or whatever it is, or telling my story. Uh -huh. um, you know, and and if, if 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 other designers or people that work in this industry have uh, have the opportunity, I can only stress: please just help that person or that someone to tell the story. If they if there's a few of us doing um, a good thing uh, for the planet by the planet. Yep. Uh, then please, you, you you need to step up and and help that person. It doesn't matter who it is. No, you're right. And you actually, yeah, you feel great, Debbie. I I, I like yeah. I just love it. You know. No, climate change demands uh, a change in um, global culture, doesn't it? Really, and I think looking at the fashion industry, particularly, which has always been so closed and so insular, 
they really yeah. have to open those doors and as you say be much yeah. more open collaborative truthful and share share knowledge in order to to speed up the whole process absolutely um so i've always had this dream i was blessed by having a mentor very young and and it's something i've i've been very privileged to have had this journey i've seen so much and done so much um I'm now a one-man band, sort of trying to get this up and running on my own, and uh, and now I realise, well, um, you know, I wouldn't have done this without somebody's help. Yes. Um, and I genuinely, genuinely mean that. Um, yeah. There's a lot of power in sharing. It's very interesting. So, let's let's look at let's go back a little bit then, and let's can you give us a little insight into how your organic sourcing compares to as you started this conversation really how, do, how does that compare to what we're currently doing in conventional manufacturing in traditional manufacturing to produce to mass manufacture the the, the fibers and the the fibers the yarns and the fabrics that we're currently using and the resources that it's expand expending wow Debbie, that's a huge, it's a question. huge question don't um, yeah just 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 give us a top the headlines it's fine um, Debbie, I think just to go back to knowledge, knowledge is power and sharing and collaborating is something that I really, really, truly believe in. And I think on the if we just start with the fibers, mm -hmm. if if the designers and the um, uh, the designers and the buyers and, uh, and the people involved in, in getting product to market understand the process better, uh -huh. um, it would all help us to make better um, decisions because if we start on the fiber side and for example we've got all these um, do-gooders whether it's BCI cotton connect basically you've got a genetically modified cotton uh -huh. that only occupies three percent of the planet but uses 25 percent of the the chemicals Wow um, you can show your farmers you can do things better blah blah but the bottom line is guys we are using we're building our base of GMO to such a level. There are facts out there that tell us that we're losing 7,000 Indian farmers to GMO production um, because what happens is they're forced to buy the seeds from these co-ops. Yep. The co-ops then say, mate, if you buy the seeds, you're going to need some chemicals because the bollworm's so vicious. And he can't kill it, so he gives him a stronger one. By the end of the season, the chemical company pretty much owns this poor dude. And so then are you saying that the, the genetically modified, the GMO um, seeds, are weak, much weaker than the organic? Yes, they're much weaker because they've been tampered with uh -huh. and they, they only last once. So you plant them once and they're dead. The, the heirloom right. seeds, grow a seed, you can grow another seed. Okay. So the life, the life is very short, and it's completely reliant on a chemical, and the chemicals are, are the the big chemical companies that are pushing this on these guys. They can buy their seeds uh, three times less on the black market, but then they won't be provided the chemicals. So ah. they're forced to buy these seeds at three times more than the black market, uh -huh. and then they have to buy the chemicals. So then there's this terrible issue. So the fiber problem is massive. If organic cotton is, is on a decrease since t 2014, we're in a major, major problem because um, yeah, the, 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 the big thing is, 
Yeah, the, the, the GMO is not only um, these, these, these farmers are taking their lives, but their wives are having deformed children. All of them in the community have got respiratory issues, and wow. all of them are suffering from, from, uh, from rashes and skin issues, allergies. From the from the fumes that are flying all over the farms, and that's right so, at the very beginning of the process, and and so many of them those contaminants remain at the in the final garment, don't they? Uh, absolutely, and not only that, Debbie, it's killed the soil, so that your top your top soil is absolutely stone dead because you've got no bio bioorganisms in the soil anymore. Okay. Um, they've absolutely killed it because it's all mono um, cultivated, so they only put cotton in there season in season out and so what it does it absolutely drains the the goodness out of the soil um and now the soil has just turned to dust you'll never bring that soil back to life that's, it's the, that's the problem with that's why it's blowing away isn't it like you say that's why it's been becoming yeah. airborne and we're losing worldwide so much topsoil yeah and the topsoil all around and the patagonian guys are the ones that have got the biggest voice and they this is their biggest call out mm. biodiversity regenerative um bring in the chickens bring in the cows bring in the this let this let the the, the um the, the leaves pile up build up your topsoil you know don't tear open the soil and let the seo2 escape if we can just I mean, what blew me away the other day, Debbie, I heard that um, uh, Russia, when they were put into sanctions in 2016, um, Putin decided to make all his farms organic. He is, he, the whole of Russia is now organic farming. That's incredible. And, and they are going to be the food bowl to Europe. The, he, the, you've got to Google this. And uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I only found this out because... Um, the owner of Patagonia is listening to um, a, a story, and he and he he called this out, and he was absolutely blown away. So you know, we it's and it's going to be driven by the leaders because you know yeah, the right. chemicals. You just think of the landmass that Russia has; it's huge, it's vast. Oh, huge, absolutely huge. And the 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 CEO of of Patagonia, or the owner of P Patagonia, he just said, guys, if we can just do that, just regenerative agriculture. Um, laying, increasing your topsoil in terms of leaves and whatever branches, and bring in the cat, the cows, and the chickens, and don't just have cattle. Have, you've got to integrate. You've got to have many, and that'll help the soil just do things that we couldn't even imagine. So yeah. listen to nature. Uh, it, listen to nature. So just to go back to your thing, I think the the fiber thing's a massive issue in the cotton industry. Mm -hmm. Huge. We we haven't even tipped on this. Um, this, the next thing is really the educating of the designing and the, the buyers and um, understanding what damage they're actually doing because it's educating consumers. I think the consumers have no knowledge at all of what's happening in the back end uh -huh. and how uh -huh. garments come to market. And for a garment, for a T-shirt to take up 2,700 litres of water is is insane. Um, and it's just not sustainable. So... These are the sort of things that, that I think are, will make uh, a massive, massive difference to, um, you know, the future. The chemical thing, uh, in terms of the dyeing, well, I think you, you could help me there because it's, it's, again, a lot of smokes and mirrors. There's 72 chemicals potentially that could be used in, in dyeing. 
Um, some of the groups like architects are trying to cut out some of the bad ones, the formaldehydes, yep. you know, the, 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 ozo, the, the ozo things. Um, you know, I, 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 it's, I'm not a chemist. Um, and, you know, all I know is that I've been to parts of the world where I've seen the toxins being spewed into rivers, down the, down the streets. Uh, it's like a big, gungy, mushy. Uh, it's just awful. It smells disgusting. Um, and people are living and working in those conditions, and it's just appall appalling. Yeah, so you're right. There are lots of initiatives, as you say, going on. You know, roadmap to zero, ZDNC, chemical certification, removing all of those toxins. But and there, there's a lot of that going on in the background. But it has to become legislated. It has to become regulation. That the and the buyers have to increase their knowledge of. They're not, you know. So, so much of their education is learning to develop a product for a certain cost for their brand, whatever that might be. That has to be completely, you have to change that whole philosophy and they have to be much more responsible and accountable for what they're actually buying and the legacy, the legacy of that and the, the patina of that product, products such as yours, for example. They have to understand what they're buying. It's not just about hitting that price point and selling x amount because in the past that's how they've been measured by for their success and i think yeah. we have to change that culture don't we i think so Debbie. it's going to be a hard one in our lives because you design for with purpose so what is the end result what is that garment and i know for, you know being in working in massive retailers it's all about your your kpis at the end of the season yeah you know, did I deliver the margin? Was my stock levels correct? You know, blah, blah, blah. And that's all they're interested. They're, it's all about um, giving return to the shareholders. There's nothing about um, how how we should go about our business and putting things first. Uh, put the planet first, you know, put your health first. Then let's look at what product we need. But no, it's all the other way around. It's it's return to return on investment. If I'm not delivering those KPIs, I'm out. You know, mm. and um, it's just not sustainable. So the model is broken, and needs to be revised. So I think the designers are the ones that um, need to design with purpose. You know, mm -hmm. what is the, the end result? And I know they're going to get pushback from from the um, from the buyer because the buyer can only um, once you get the costs in. You can only afford a certain amount, but if you put the perceived value in and tell the story, yeah, um, and the and the and the customer or the conscious whether it's conscious customer or not, if the customer understands and gets a really conscious feeling when they buy that product, they're getting a good feeling. Mm -hmm. I think there's a better outcome because they know that they're doing good. I think it puts the company or the brand in good stead um, because they're doing good. And, and it's being, again, this whole transparency thing. Just tell it like it is. Don't try and cover up things that you, even if you're not aware, you should find out about it. But tell your customer what the process is, how it came about, who made it, were they paid a fair wage. Um, I think these are the challenges for for those future merchants, you know, whether it's designers, yeah. buyers. I, I, th I think the buyers are going to be forced into that loop. I mean, I read something, I think it was, fashion, I think it was um, fashion Revolution, I think, um, that 62% of uh, millennials and Generation Z prefer to buy sustainable products. That is the future. Oh, so if so if the big brand, if the, if the big brand
brands out there that, as you say, are currently harvesting, mass-producing, using genetically modified GMO sources, etc., etc., they're, they're actually moving into a world where they're not creating products that their consumers want to purchase. So I, I, I truly believe that. I know it's going to take time, let's be realistic and not be naive, hopefully. Yeah. It's going to take time, yeah. but I truly believe that the consumer's voice will be the one that changes the future of textiles. And the, yeah. the buyers have to listen. Debbie, guys are making 10 billion pairs of jeans a year for 7.3 billion of us. It's disgraceful. Yeah. It's almost like um, we have to give people quota and say, listen, <laughs> these, this is my, this is if you're, those are your denims, that's what you yeah. can have. You either yeah. put your prices up to make the same dollars, mm -hmm. but you can't be making more units. You know. No, you're right. Um, and there are people doing good work there. I was, um, I actually wrote something okay. last year about Gap and Arvind out in India. Um, they collaborated and built a new water filtration unit for their denim site, because previously yeah. it was taking. This is the most incredible statistics. It was taking 52 million liters of water every single day from the local water, the actual fresh water resource. And that was in an, wow. a, an area where 54% of the population don't have enough drinking water. So they've invested billions and built this incredible plant, which now refilters and regenerates all of the water all of the time. And also yeah. in doing so is best practice because it's, it's, re, it's released the fresh water to not only the, um, the, the indigenous population, but also other businesses working in the area. So again, that's kind of, it's a really great story of True it's a great collaboration story. for the greater good of us all, um, really, as you say, talking about the amount of water that the denim industry uses. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so on that, Debbie, I have seen um, green plants or green filtration plants in Bangladesh. They've, mm -hmm. they've really stepped up. It's unbelievable the amount of money the guys have spent. So, yeah, there are definitely things that are happening. But the irony in that is, is that the buyers are still putting – you know, twisting polyester around the the the, the core of the yarn, you know, yeah. um, uh, and the the dyeing process is all synthetic. So, you know, you're going to need uh, I think it's around four and a half thousand liters of water to make one pair of jeans, maybe yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. But um, so yeah, there are definitely good things happening. Um, I think what would be amazing is if we had a group of organic people that just spoke to each other that we could. Um, share ideas, um, share some initiatives. Um, you know, I know this world's become a little bit smaller with the technology, which is a big plus. Um, but I think yeah, definitely if we can get together and share ideas, I mean, I'm, I'm having a really fantastic response from when I tell the story to, to young moms that, mm -hmm. you know what, um, your child, uh, is not exposed to chemicals because of these reasons. And they, I show them the cotton balls in color. I actually get them to uh, feel the, the, the big chunk of the, the cotton. Yeah. I, I, I even show them, um, I show them the quality of the garments. I explain the quality of the garments. And then I tell them about the, the water saving. And that's the thing that's resonating with them here, yeah, particularly yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Because um, in the middle of Australia, it's in stage five. Wow. Places like Dubbo. Um, in Sydney, we at stage two water. Our water uh, at dams are sitting at 43%. Um, so uh, water is a big thing. Chemicals is, is, 
is big, but water is critical um, for us here in Australia. And I think, as you as you say, you know, it, it's huge. But it's also when you when you speak about water, it's tangible, isn't it? People can really understand that they can because it, it's part of their life. It's well, seventy two percent of yep. their body. So, yeah, they they can actually understand that. And as you say, when you talk about chemicals, they're kind of invisible, and of course, very very you know important. <laughs> I know because but they're invisible. I so get it either. Like you know chemicals backwards, do you? I don't know chemicals. I understand water. Yes, exactly. So I've done this. Um, you know, like when moms go to hospital, they need a like a hospital bag of goodies. Mm-hmm. And I've pretty much um, put about 15 garments inside. So it'll go from, you know, it'll be like uh, a bib and singlets. Uh, it'll be little um, rompers, a blanket, a, you know, all that sort yeah. of stuff. And basically what I've done is if I took an equivalent um, – organic and it's in color they would use 23,000 liters of water for these 15 items and basically ours uses um, 6,900 so the saving on the water is about 16,000 liters of water which can hydrate an adult for 12 years wow so we when I tell the people that here they it's just like blows them away because a bag from a, a like company in organic that's in color is half a swimming pool of three by six by one and a half deep is <laughs> half that yeah. swimming pool. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, you know, when you equate that back to what we pay for bottled water, maybe people can understand that too, because you're paying, <laughs> you're paying nothing. You know, when you, when you get to the mass market, you know, like going out to the big super brands and like you say, paying, oh. Five five dollars five dollars five euros for a t-shirt, but you know how many bottles of water are in that t-shirt? It's actually hard to get your head around that, isn't it? Yeah, I, so that's the sort of thing that um, when I talk to the customers here, they're absolutely blown away. They, they because water is so such a scarce commodity in Australia. It's a, it's very very dry here at the minute, um, you know, and uh, I think people because. I don't understand chemicals, so I can say chemicals and they go, you know, yeah, well, whatever. But the water and the fact that when I open the packets and, um, you know, I've got them all in these beautiful brown packets, they smell the clothing. It smells like wet grass. That's interesting, Uh, isn't it? Because what you're doing is you're you're making clothes, your clothing is actually becoming a sensory experience beyond touch. It's that's such a great word. So I'm going to steal that word, no, Debbie. That's <laughs> absolutely the whole purpose of the podcast is that we collaborate. Don't you worry. For the smells, they they actually cannot believe it. And Fiona still says to me this day that it smelled like the at the farm. It smelled like baked bread. You're capturing nature. It's great. Capturing nature. So yeah, I look. I've. I mean, some just to give you a quick. Um, so some of the other things that I've really called out is. Um, so the color is grown in a pigment. So in the mm-hmm. bowl, um, that's really important. Um, the the other big thing about this pigment is that because it's alive, it actually changes color. Yeah. So say for example, you've got a T-shirt um, and you you hung it outside from you know ten in the morning till midday, and you bought it in uh-huh. it you'll it'll it'll go slightly dark enough and uh, the other big thing is that when you wash it because it's absolutely ph neutral 
Um, so on this acidic and alkaline at seven. So therefore, if you wash it in a, in a neutral detergent at 30 degrees, the, the garment will just go on and on forever. Um, if, if you had to, if it from a biodegradable point of view, it's up to like three months and it's gone. Okay. So that's really um, the other big point that I, I, I sort of called out is that um, all, all, the, all this fiber has to be hand picked. Yeah. Um, so that's because it's really, really fine. Um, the other thing that I, we stressed on is the 80 to 90 percent water saving. Um, then I sort of go on to the um, there's no pilling and there's no static. And now this is a really important point, yeah. um, Debbie, because basically what's happened is the natural color cotton is the original cotton. And what it is, is that the DNA of that fiber hasn't been tampered with or the seed hasn't been tampered with. So if you had to stare into a fiber 500 times through a microscope, mm -hmm. you'll see it's absolutely perfectly hollow. And, um, and the reason, and the reason the hand feel is because it allows the, the fiber to breathe. Yep. So it allows the moisture in and allows the moisture out. So therefore you don't get any static and you don't get any pilling. For what it's worth, on the genetically modified seed, if you take the same fiber and stare down the uh, through the center of the core of the fiber uh, 500 yep. times, yep. it's like yep. looking down a file. It's square. It's like a rectangle. Because if you imagine taking a Coke can and twisting it, yes. you can't see through anymore because it's a twisted DNA. Yep. And that's why you get this really strange hand feel. It doesn't breathe. Um, it's, it's, it's a very difficult, um, uh, yeah, you just don't get the same characteristics because you get a beautiful cashmere hand feel with our, it's a different, with our yeah. it's a different product, very, isn't it? It's got the same totally, name, but it's a different product. Yeah. So that's, that's another big point that I, I sort of push out, uh, or talk about quite a lot. Um, it has an incredible, um, UPF factor. So you've got your natural white, you've got a, uh, a wheat color, uh -huh. and you've got a, a sage green. So when I buy the crop, uh, the wheat is the entry price point, the wheat is the next, and the sage is the, the highest. Right. So the sage right. has the highest UPF, a natural UPF, and then it sort of tears down. It's 50 plus. So that's quite it. So it's got its own natural um, uh and then yeah, I, I I play I talk up the hyperallergenic area because babies look I think from all of us we we've been spending billions and billions on, on trying to work out cancers nobody knows what it is but if you think about how we've changed so many uh, fibers and foods yeah. and things like that yeah. in, on the world um, we don't know what 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 being absorbed through the skin no we're contaminating ourselves it, aren't we. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I, I try and yeah. say that this garment is completely hyperallergenic. So anybody that has awful rashes or allergic to things, um, these fibers will not react to your body. They will only make you feel more and more comfortable. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think uh, pretty much those are the sort of points that I, I like to to talk and uh, tell the customer. Um, and then they really get it. Um, but it is the water that, that really resonates with them. That's great. Carl, thank you so much. You have such an interesting product. So I'm absolutely um, overwhelmed by um, 
yeah, it's there's so many interesting statistics there, and so much so much out there for people to learn about the you know the the core differences, as you say, between GMO products and organic products. It's not just a label, it's not just a logo. There's a whole science, and as you said right at the very beginning, thirteen generations um, yeah. of knowledge held in the the manufacturing of the products that you're that you're now moving out into the, the, the world marketplaces so Carl just before we finish thank you so much could you tell us how your listeners can how our listeners can um, can buy your products uh yeah sure um so at the moment um I'm busy building I've got the website just with some information um, uh-huh. but as we speak I should have the website up and trading within the next two weeks so you know, let's say um, the sort of first week of February. Okay, that's um, great. Uh, oh. Yeah, like I said, it's been a real challenge um, just trying to get all the, the, the information, social media and everything happening. Um, and I, I'd like to just open, if people want to contact me, um, it's all on my website, uh-huh. uh, Fight for Good. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on um, Instagram, Facebook, um, and if there's anyone that needs any help, please, I'm, I'm here to help. So, um, Very generous, yeah. Carl. Carl, thank you so much for, your, for all of your time okay. today. Thank you for being so collaborative, for sharing your knowledge, and, and for bringing such a great product to the marketplace. I wish you every success, and I'm sure you're just going to go from strength to strength with this, because it's exactly what the planet needs. It's fantastic. Thank you. Carl, Thanks thank you so much. And I'll make sure for anybody that's listening, I'll also make sure that um, all of Carl's contact details are in the podcast notes too. It's brilliant. Carl, okay. have a great evening and I'll have a, have a great day. Thanks, <laughs> From Australia, thank you so much. Okay. Goodbye. Thank you, Debbie. Bye.